0: Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show
1: in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad to be back in the big chair after a week away. In segment three, I'm going to tell you about my trip to the Philippines with Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. He's a client of mine. We spent a week in Manila, one of the most fascinating weeks of my life. I will tell you about Manila, the people there, how they are crazy for the NBA, the NBA and basketball, the number one sport in the Philippines. Not even the United States has that claim. I'll tell you all about my trip to the Philippines in segment three. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I got to go to the Coliseum where the Thrilla in Manila took place. That was pretty cool. In segment four, we're going to talk about how social media, specifically Twitter, is changing the sports landscape. ESPN put out a memo this week implementing some new policies for their talent and what they can and can't say on Twitter. And we'll talk about how Twitter is affecting not only ESPN, but the NFL and several other sports. That's coming up in segment four couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. I was tweeting from the Philippines. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Click on the link to the Facebook and Twitter pages and you'll be hooked up as our friend and our Twitter follower. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, uh, good to be back in the studio and Wow. One of the longest plane rides I've ever taken. It took about uh, a day and a half to get to where I wanted to go. But uh, once I got there, it was literally a different world.
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned your plane ride because you and I had talked before you had left and we kind of did some you know, underground research on what type of aircraft you were flying. And you finally got to fly business class. Was it worth it? And did you end up getting the seat that we thought you would? That's my question to you. We
1: did get the seat that we thought I would. And then also, as I tweeted this week, after you've flown international business class, going from business class to coach is kind of like going from HD TV to rabbit ears on your TV. It's really hard to do. i got a fly coach coming up in a few weeks, and I'm not looking forward to it after uh, rolling in the, the big cabin on the way to uh, the Philippines. All right, lots of headlines coming up. Eli Manning, a very wealthy man after this week. And the AFL, another casualty of the economy. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships.
0: Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning signed a six-year, $97.5 million contract this week, meaning he's going to earn a little over $16 million per season. His guarantee on the deal, $35 million. He's going to be the Giants quarterback, unless he's traded, between now and 2015. Now, Eli is gonna out-earn his brother Peyton per season. Peyton makes $14 million a year. Eli is gonna make sixteen million dollars a year. And some other interesting Eli news this week. Eli has a deal with Citizen Watch. And the Giants have a new deal with Timex to place their logos on the practice uniforms, So, Bobby, that's been a little bit of an interesting issue in the Giants organization. Look, as someone who has done endorsement deals for athletes and coaches, you know, you always try and sync up with the sponsors of the organization so you're not competing with them. This is a big competing sponsor, Citizen with Eli Manning, And they're supposedly paying him well into six figures, and then Timex has a seven-figure deal to be a sponsor of the New York Giants on their practice jerseys.
2: You know, at least he's not having to wear the watch during practice. I could see that being a huge conflict there. He's got, you know, one brand on the wrist, and he's got the other on the jersey. The thing that they'll have to do is they'll have to, you know, physically separate the two and be like, listen, why he's wearing the practice jersey, you can take pictures of him. You probably won't be able to use him at all in your advertising. But, you know, when he's in his street clothes, in the nice threads, you know, they'll be able to use everything they need because, hey, you know, he's wearing the watch then, he looks nice, go ahead and do it.
1: Now the Giants essentially had to do this deal because David Carr is their backup. And if Eli is not there, you're handing over the reins to the franchise, to David Carr, you're trying to find a quarterback through the draft. Eli Manning has won a Super Bowl. I don't think he's nearly as good as his brother Peyton, but he's going to earn more money than his brother Peyton, so kudos to uh, Eli's agent for getting that done because that's a lot of money for one Super Bowl. Our next headline, another casualty of the poor economy. The AFL, otherwise known as the Arena Football League, this week announced it has suspended operations indefinitely, and this is according to the board of directors. They took this action after they were unable to reach any consensus on restructuring the league over the past eight months. They say, regrettably, the AFL's board of directors believes there are no other viable options available to the league right now, unquote. Now, Bobby, we've talked about the AFL and their problems for months on this show. I mean, look, if the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the PGA, other bigger uh, leagues, so to speak, are having problems because of poor attendance, lack of sponsorships, it's not a surprise to me that the lesser leagues like the Arena Football League end up folding because if you're going to spend your money, you're probably going to spend it with a higher-profile league. Yes, it's more expensive, but you're going to spend it with a higher-profile league where people are going to see your sponsorships than you are with someplace like the AFL.
2: No, absolutely. And the funny thing about this is the AFL has an agreement where part of the ownership process belongs to ESPN, where they own, I believe, like a 30% share of it. So if you don't have ESPN's backing... One, as we know with NHL, you get no viewership, period. But now that they have to fold, ESPN's kind of like, well, you know, we spent all this money, but I guess now we get to, you know, kind of put it elsewhere. We feel bad that the league's folded, but, you know, maybe they'll give it to the WNBA. Who knows?
1: Well, I mean, there were some high profile owners in this league, too. John Bon Jovi, uh, John Elway. You know, some people put some decent money behind these teams, but you look at the model and you look at, you know, how are you going to secure sponsorships? How are you going to get. Uh, Ticket sales going in this poor economy, it is a huge challenge for a league like the AFL, and it looks like they're not up to the task, and thus, they are probably done. All right, our next headline. The NBA and the NBA Players Association held their first formal collective bargaining session for a new labor deal for more than three hours in New York on Tuesday, a meeting the two sides called, quote-unquote, cordial and productive. There was a preliminary exchange of financial information, but no proposals were made, the NBA and the Players Union said in a joint statement. They also said, we look forward to another meeting before the start of the season. Now, the current collective bargaining agreement expires in June of 2011. Sports fans, the two big collective bargaining agreement showdowns on the horizon, the NBA and the NFL, these are going to determine the fate of your league's For the next five to ten years, we may see drastic changes. You're going to want to pay very close attention to these negotiations. Obviously, we will be paying very close attention, so if you tune in to our show, Sports Business Radio, we'll keep you up to date every step of the way. Our next headline, the Memphis Grizzlies decided to let go, not one, not two, but all five of their scouts. First of all, five scouts isn't a lot to begin with for an NBA team. But the Grizzlies will have no more scouts, so they better have really good direct TV and have satellite hookups to games all over the world, because if they don't, I don't know how they're going to find players. Yes, they can scout domestically and go to NCAA tournaments and you know, games and things of that nature, but as we all know, this is a global sport now. If you're not scouring the planet for talent, you're behind the eight ball. Michael Heisley, the owner of the Grizzlies, is not doing well financially. They're not selling many sponsorships there. The attendance is poor in Memphis. They're one of the sickest franchises in the league, so it's not a surprise that they have a cost-cutting move, but it's the first NBA team that has literally said,
2: we're not going with scouting anymore. Absolutely. You can't do it. I mean, unless you're going to send your general manager and your director of player personnel out anywhere... It's just not going to happen. It's not a good idea. You need scouts because without scouts, you're not seeing the players that could be that next, you know, diamond in the rough per se.
1: Well, it's a huge disadvantage. Again, you can scout domestically, but uh, this is a global game now. So if you're not scouring the globe, you're really behind a lot of your competition. And maybe Heisley doesn't care. Maybe Heisley's like Donald Sterling with the Clippers. He just wants to turn a profit. He doesn't care if they win or lose. As long as they're making some money from year to year, that's all they care about. Our final headline of the week, the PGA Tour this week announced that Buick has withdrawn its backing of the Buick Open in Michigan and the Buick Invitational in San Diego. Buick was contracted through 2010 as the owner of the Buick Open and title sponsor of the Buick Invitational. Buick Golf Marketing Manager Larry Peck said the decision to end the 51-year PGA Tour relationship was made internally and not by the judge overseeing GM's bankruptcy restructuring. Buick also dropped its status as official car of the PGA Tour, a deal the Tour has quietly shopped this summer but was unable to find a buyer for. Bobby, this is really big news. 51 years Buick was with the PGA Tour. They dropped out this week, and not only did they drop out, they dropped out early. So, you know, we saw Tiger Woods and Buick part ways last year and then Tiger signed AT&T to be the sponsor on his bag, and he's not doing commercials for Buick anymore. Now Buick's out of golf altogether.
2: Yeah, and, you know, listen, a 51-year relationship is not something you just say goodbye to quietly.
1: No, not at all. And, you know, I don't know that uh, they saw a tremendous amount of return on their investment, but, you know, 51 years, you definitely gained some traction. You become synonymous with a certain sport, and I think Buick had become synonymous with golf. I don't think I've ever seen them really in major League Baseball and the NBA or the NFL, they were definitely equated to golf so it's going to be interesting to see what do they do from here on out. All right coming up next we've got sweet success very successful deal between a large large corporation and one of the biggest sports leagues in the United States. and I'm also going to tell you about my trip to the Philippines I just returned. And I was over there with Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolster. I'll tell you all about that trip. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate Moose Tracks, extreme Moose Tracks, mint Moose Tracks, and of course, original Moose Tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite Moose Tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate Moose Tracks which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at MooseTracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S.com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Moose Tracks ice cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio
0: success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. that be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks ice cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Well, two of the biggest brands in the world teamed up this week
1: in a multi-year deal Procter & Gamble, which has a number of brands, Old Spice and Gillette included, they spent $8 billion on advertising a year. Not in a decade, in a year, $8 billion. So they're probably spending more on advertising than just about any company not named Anheuser-Busch. They're going to be teaming with the NFL the biggest league in the United States. It's a multi-year deal. The deal's worth $10 million a year, and Procter & Gamble will have the rights to use the NFL logo and place a newly designed official locker room product of the NFL label on its products. This was according to the Wall Street Journal this week. So, Bobby, you know— Procter & Gamble has so many different brands under their umbrella, but what they've learned in the last few years, especially after they acquired Gillette in 2005 and put Tiger Woods and Roger Federer and others into their commercials, is that sports advertising has worked really well for them. Now, they're going to get to do business with the biggest, most popular league in the United States, the NFL. It should be quite a partnership.
2: No, it absolutely should be. And going back to what you said about them with Gillette, I mean, anytime you turn on any sporting event, regardless, you always see at least one of the commercials that features Tiger and Roger with their razors and they're, you know, doing the shaving thing. But that transcends what sport you're watching no matter what, because, you know, people will say, hey, you know, if it's good enough for Tiger and it's good enough for Roger, it's good enough for me. And now that you're going to have NFL, you know, along with them. It's almost not fair to the competition. But, you know, listen, it's a great win for Procter & Gamble.
1: Well, and Procter & Gamble is a conglomerate. I mean, it's not like it's just one company. They have 13 brands, including Old Spice and probably Gillette, that will be part of this deal. So 13 brands will get to go along for the ride and have that official NFL product logo uh, on their product in stores. So that is our sweet success story of the week. Sweet success brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Go to MooseTracks.com and click on the store locator to find the store in your city selling Moose Tracks Ice Cream. All right, so I am just back from the Philippines. Uh, Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat, is a client of mine, and I've been planning this trip for him for quite some time. It's been about nine months in the making. We finally went over to the Philippines last week. We went to Manila, and... We also went to Zamboanga, which is like the southern tip of the Philippines, some uh, terrorism down there. We went with heavy security. Uh, I've never done a clinic before where there's machine guns at every entrance, so that was a little uh, unnerving, but, you know, Bobby, it's a totally different world. First of all, I've been to China. I've been to Singapore. I've been to Indonesia. I've been to Japan, so I've been to several places in the Asian part of the world, and I had never been to Manila. And I'll tell you this. First of all, everyone told me, oh, the traffic over there is terrible. And I said, worse than Beijing? Worse than Shanghai? I don't know. That traffic was the worst I've ever seen. Guess what? Manila, a lot worse by about 10 times. The reason is Mega Manila has about 18 million people in the city. The city is not that big. So you're cramming 18 million people into a very small space. There are really no lanes on the road. So it's a free-for-all. I mean, it's literally a free-for-all. And then you've got the GPs that were left there from World War II. So you've got GPs all over the place zigzagging. You've got people on bikes. You have beggars literally standing in the middle of traffic. Uh, one of the saddest things I saw is you see women holding babies coming up, knocking on your window of your car, begging for money. And then you find out they're part of a syndicate. So basically, they have pimps that are giving them babies that sometimes aren't their own. And they're begging for money, and the pimps are getting a part of the money that they're begging for, which is really sad. You know, Manila and really the Philippines, there's no middle class. So you've got people who are either just dirt poor, like the worst poverty I've ever seen, or you've got very, very wealthy people who are dining at the Shangri-La Hotel where we had a chance to dine one night. And, you know, they uh, are in the thriving business district called Makati. Uh, It's interesting. Eric and I went and did he did some uh, promotional appearances for American Airlines and for a company called Solar Sports, which is kind of the ESPN of the Philippines. They carry all of uh, Pacquiao's fights, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, if we hadn't spent some time in Makati. We would have left thinking, oh my gosh, it's just poverty all the way around. There's not even a thriving business district in this town. But when we went to Makati, we did see the five star hotels and we did see, you know, there are some thriving operations over there. And, you know, you could kind of picture any city, USA, any big city. So, you know, LA, New York, Chicago. Um, It was interesting. So when we met with the Solar Sports people, Manny Pacquiao, he's from the Philippines. Let me tell you what. This guy is as big, if not bigger, than Michael Jordan in the Philippines. He is huge. He's on billboards everywhere. He's on TV everywhere. When Manny Pacquiao fights, check this out. Manny Pacquiao, when he fights, the fights on TV get a 96 share. Just to put that in perspective, there is no program in the history of U.S. television that has ever come close to... To getting a 96 share, I think the season finale or the series finale of MASH is the highest rated TV show in the history of US TV. It is nowhere near a 96. So that means when, when Pacquiao is fighting 96% of the people in the Philippines, and there's a lot of people there, are tuned in to watch Manny Pacquiao. He is huge over there, and he's only going to get bigger. I found out this week when I was there, he's going to be doing uh, a commercial with Nike, he actually already did the commercial in Los Angeles. It's with Kobe Bryant and Maria Sharpova. So Manny Pacquiao is going mainstream. He's going to be a household name, and uh, watch for him in that Nike commercial because, as we all know, when Nike puts its marketing power behind you, you become very, very big. Um, Eric Spolster was a rock star over there. It was really cool. Eric's mom is uh, from the Philippines. And Eric had not been back to the Philippines since he was three years old, and he still has family over there, and he's always wanted to go back over there. He's wanted to do clinics. He wanted to go play professionally over there, but he got hired by the Heat 14 years ago to do their uh, video coordinating, and he chose that path instead of playing professionally in the Philippines. And obviously that decision worked out well for him as the head coach of the Miami Heat now, but... Um, He did a number of clinics. And I mean, wherever we went, there were cameras, there were media, you know, probably 15 to 20 cameras following us everywhere we went. Um, You know, he's just very well revered. I would say that after Manny Pacquiao, Eric Spolstra is the most popular sports figure in the Philippines. And keep in mind, and I learned this when I went to China, in Asia, whether you're talking about Ichiro, whether you're talking about Dice K whether you're talking about Yao Ming or whether you're talking about Pacquiao or Eric Spolstra. If you are one of them, if you have their blood running through you, they are big on heritage. So you are God when you walk into their country because they revere their own. And Eric is like the prodigal son coming home last week. He hadn't been home in 35 years. So this was a big, big deal. Uh, We went to a college basketball game. That was interesting, and the game took place in the same venue as the Thrilla in Manila between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. That was a treat to get to go into that venue. They have a big sign banner hanging, Thrilla in Manila, October 1st, 1975, and boy, if I could turn back the time and could have watched that fight while sitting in that venue, that would have been one of the coolest things in my mind that's one of the top five greatest sporting events in the history of sports. That was maybe the best fight of all time. Um, Those guys just left it all in the ring, and really they were never the same after that fight. So to be in that venue and see uh, where those two warriors went at it and maybe the greatest boxing match of all time was really, really cool. Um, We worked with the U.S. State Department on this uh, envoy, and it was was cool. I mean— I'll tell you, working with the State Department, was the coolest thing about working with them is whenever we went to an airport, they put us right through customs. We didn't have to wait in line. Uh, we were VIPs with American Airlines, which, by the way, American Airlines came up big. Uh, great customer service. Um, they helped us every leg of the way. They were someone to, to meet us, so kudos to American Airlines. Thank you so much to them for all of their help uh, getting us to Manila and back. Um, And then you know, I will say this. I've spoken on this show before about customer service, and I've done comparisons between Dell and Apple and Delta Airlines and JetBlue, and I'm a big customer service guy. I will tell you this. The people in Asia bend over backwards to make you happy. They want you to have a great experience in their country. They take pride in their service, and I think we've lost some of that in the United States, and I tweeted about that this week. Uh, I can't tell you how many companies that I've run into and I won't go into who they are right now in America where they've just, you know, they've had layoffs and it's tough economic times and people just don't have that same level of customer service and pride that they used to have. And it was really refreshing to go over to Asia and see that these people over there, they definitely have it. They want you to come back. They want you to have a great experience, whether it's in their hotel, whether it's on their airlines, whatever it is. And uh, that was really refreshing to see. And then Tokyo, I'll tell you, I've said this before. If I ever get kicked out of the United States, for whatever reason, hopefully I never do, but if I had to leave the United States, the two cities on earth that would be vying for me to live there, Sydney, Australia, or Tokyo, Japan. Tokyo is efficient. They are expensive, but really cool city. If you ever get a chance to go to Tokyo, you definitely got to go there. So anyways, that's a a summary, a very quick summary of my trip to Manila. It was great to go there with Coach Spolstra, uh, his assistant coaches Dave Fisdale and Chad Kammerer, and uh, it was a lot of fun. They have a great coaching staff, and I think it was a a life-changing event for all of us, so it was really cool to see. All right, coming up next, Twitter, Facebook. They're changing the sports landscape. We're going to have that discussion. I've wanted to have that discussion for a few weeks on this show. We're going to have it. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods. Featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio.
0: Bringing you up to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the technology lab.
1: All right, so this is a conversation I've wanted to have for the last uh, really few months. I said few weeks before, but it's the last few months. I mean, Twitter and Facebook are changing the way we consume our information, especially Twitter. I mean, I found out about Michael Jackson's death on Twitter. I found out about Manny Ramirez getting suspended on Twitter. I found out about Alex Rodriguez getting uh, suspended, or not getting suspended, but using steroids on Twitter. A lot of breaking news on Twitter. Well, this week, a few things happened that really caught my eye. Number one, the 800-pound gorilla that is ESPN. They sent out a memo, and they sent it out to their talent so not to the behind-the-scenes people, not to the producers, but it's, it's intended for their talent. And it basically curtails their tweeting from here on out. And they've got to run their tweets by an editor. I mean, essentially, it's all got to be endorsed by the head honchos at ESPN and go through the machine before you can tweet about it. Now, I'm sorry, but that removes the spontaneity. It also removes the ability for a reporter, I think, to be able to break news. Now, you could say, well, we could still break news on ESPN.com, and then the person tweeting could just tweet the link, and you could break the news that way. Okay, I get that. But again, when you've got to go through this big, big process, the chances that you're going to get beaten to the story, pretty good. Now, I know you want to be right. You don't want to be first. You want to be right. I get that. But one of the problems I have with ESPN's policy, and I wrote about it on my blog this week at sportsbusinessradio.com, is I think that ESPN, owned by Disney, by the way, and I've worked for Disney before, and their handbook is thicker than the Bible, and they've got rules and regulations that are ridiculous, and essentially they want everyone to be the same. They want vanilla, and they want to control you. Well, one of the things about Twitter... And reading people like Rick Buecher, who's been on the show many times, Bill Simmons, who we all enjoy, Chris Mortensen, the NFL reporter, several other reporters, I kind of liked seeing their personality. And I kind of like not only reading stories that they broke, but learning a little bit about them. I mean, look, I tweet at SB Radio, and I hope that you learn a little bit about me. I mean, I tweeted from the Philippines and probably put a little too much information on some of my tweets But, uh, you know, I think it personalizes and humanizes those of us who are tweeting. So we're not just media people. We also have a little bit of a personality. You get a little bit of a glimpse behind the scenes. That's what we want from athletes. We want to know what's going on at training camp. We want to know, you know, what's this team doing? What's that athlete doing? Well, it's the same thing with some of these reporters. And I think ESPN lowering the hammer on the reporters, I think at the end of the day, it's going to hurt themselves. And if they're trying to you know, monetize the tweets and they're probably going to take the tweets and put them as insider access like they do with their podcasts and things like that, I think it's a mistake because guess what? People can go and get that information somewhere else. Charles Robinson, who was just on this show two weeks ago, tweeted this week, hey, too bad about the folks at ESPN, but those of us here at Yahoo Sports, we're going to be tweeting 24-7. Keep an eye on us. CBS Sports dot com, uh, you know AOL Sports, all these other sites and all these other sports personalities, media personalities, they're going to continue to tweet. And if ESPN, if you're a reporter there and you've got to go through, you know, ten channels just to be able to post a hundred and forty character tweet, a, it's probably going to make you not want to tweet very often, and b, it's going to become such a process that. You're going to get beaten to the punch by your competition. Bobby, what do you think?
2: You know, it's funny. Everybody knocks Twitter forward just the fact that, you know, they're updating what they're doing. I'm sitting on the porch. I'm, you know, in the bathroom or I'm going for a walk.
1: Those are the people, frankly, I am i don't want to offend anyone, but I probably will. Those are the losers that sit in their basement and do a blog and, and, you know, who who just, but to the people who break news. I mean, I follow legitimate media people and yes, I follow some bloggers too, but you know, I find that these legitimate media people are able to break news a lot faster via Twitter than they are if they sit down, they write a column or write a story, and they've got to run it through 10 different people at their
2: news organization. By that time, it's old news. No, and it's going to become to the point where we're going to have a reporter from ESPN who will put out a tweet and it will say, I have breaking news. I'm waiting for it to be, you know, basically looked at. And then he'll go through the steps. Okay, one person's seen it, they've okayed it. Next person, and eventually to the time where they finally are able to put out the breaking news, somebody else will have it. ESPN, I understand that they want to control it. That's fine. But you are going to be left behind now because if your reporter has some information and will be able to break the story, great. But if they can't get the word out immediately, they've already lost the race. Well, here's
1: something. that you know. Bill Simmons doesn't do breaking news, but I'm going to be very interested to see this. And I'll give you an example. Bill Simmons, I think has become such an enormous brand, he doesn't need ESPN anymore. He could start his own website. He could do his podcast on his website. He would still have millions of people following him via Twitter, listening to his podcast, and reading his columns, whether it's under the ESPN banner or not. The guy that did this about a year and a half ago, and I doubted he could do it, but he's done it, is Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick left ESPN and said, I'm going to become my own brand. No, Dan Patrick is not on as many radio stations as he was with ESPN, but he's on a lot, and he's writing for Sports Illustrated, and everything he does, much like we do, we own the Sports Business Radio brand. No one controls us. We control our editorial content. We control our logo. We control everything that comes and goes with Sports Business Radio. Dan Patrick is the same way. Every dollar that Dan Patrick makes now is his. It's not going to ESPN and then he's getting a part of Dan Patrick's work. It's all his. I could see Bill Simmons and I could see some other people getting frustrated with the 800-pound gorilla and all the bureaucracy and kind of saying, you know what? I might take this out on my own and I think I can monetize it on my own. And I think I can bring my millions of followers with me. I mean, there's not a lot of people that could do it, but Dan Patrick did it. I think Bill Simmons could do it. And I think the more these ESPNs try and restrict their reporters, the more incentive it's giving the reporters to bolt.
2: Oh, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. And, you know, even carrying this over into news, we saw when stuff went started to go down in Iran, you know, they started to cramp down saying, hey, you know, you can't Twitter. You know, we're not going to allow any outside media in. Listen, There's always going to be ways to get around it. And it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of the ESPN guys, if they really wanted to kind of go behind, you know, the 800-pound gorilla's back, they come up with their own, you know, a side little handle, somebody that they can't trace, and still, you know, tweet that way.
1: Now, the other news in the world of Twitter that caught my eye this week, there are 10 NFL teams that are not allowing reporters to tweet from open public practices. This is ridiculous. You're trying to promote your brand. Why wouldn't you allow a reporter to tweet from practice? If it's open to the public, if it's not a closed practice, if it's a closed practice, I understand that. But reporters probably aren't at a closed practice. So if you're tweeting from an open public practice, why not? NFL teams are also trying to figure out what to do with players who are tweeting. We saw San Diego Charger player, uh, what's his name, Uh, Antonio Cromartie. He was fined $2,500 this week by the Chargers. For tweeting that the team served, quote unquote, nasty food during training camp. By the way, $2,500 to Cromartie is like 25 cents to me. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's It's not a big fine at all. But the fact that they're putting restrictions. See, these teams, I think, really need to have a hard, fast rule. Here's what you can tweet about. Here's what you can't. You know, when you're behind closed doors, you can't tweet about, uh, any of our plays or any of the, Okay, I get that. But, you know, it's funny because people say, I want to go behind the curtain. I want to go behind the scenes. I enjoy reading uh, athletes tweeting from training camp. I enjoy when they're telling me about what they're doing with their summer workouts. This is the kind of access that people have craved for a long time. I mean, on a very different platform, Paula Abdul, tweeted this week that she's not returning to American Idol. That's how she chose to make that announcement, not a press conference, not sitting down with a reporter. It was her directly with her fan base via Twitter. More and more, we, the media, are being removed as the middle person. I don't have a major problem with that. As long as they talk to us every now and again, that's fine. But one of the rules should be, basically, don't talk about it on Twitter if you wouldn't talk about it with a reporter. I mean, you know, Twitter is—is is my father used to say that car's a—it's not a toy; it's a very powerful weapon. Well, Twitter is not a toy; it's a very powerful weapon. If you tweet something and you've got a decent number of followers and it gets retweeted, there's a lot of people seeing what you're writing. So, if you're going to break a story and it's wrong, if you're going to criticize something and uh, you don't want people to see it. If you're going to say something and you don't want people to see it, you better think twice about being on Twitter. It's a powerful tool, but it's also an amazing tool that has allowed celebrities, media, and people like that to reach audiences that they couldn't reach previously. We've got you know 800 followers, which isn't great, but you know it's far from uh, Shaq at 1.7 million and Ashton Kutcher at over a million. But we've got some pretty loyal followers, and we've got some good Facebook friends, and these are mediums. To me, it's all gravy. The main thing we do is a radio show here. I want people to listen to this radio show, whether it's on the radio or via iTunes or via our website. That's how I want them to listen to our show. If you want to follow us during the week on the blog or on Twitter or on Facebook, terrific. The more platforms, the better. And I'll tell you this, the teams that aren't embracing social media, they're going to go the way of the newspapers. And the newspapers are not embracing social media. The newspapers are still real slow to catch on to new technology, and that's why you're seeing newspapers and other vehicles that are still stuck in the dark ages going under. And there's only going to be more of them. There's a a uh, great—I think it's called The Media is Dying. Follow them on Twitter. Every day, there's something on there about another paper folding, another TV station folding, another radio station folding or being sold. It's rampant in this country, and I'll tell you, you've got to embrace Twitter. I understand what ESPN's trying to do by kind of ratcheting back a little bit and putting some controls behind it, but if they make it too commercial and they try and monetize it and they take away the uh, instinctiveness of being on Twitter, I think it's going to hurt them, and I think they're going to lose out to their competition, Bobby.
2: No, I completely agree with you, and you know... We have to look at it from a member of a media point. When somebody says something on Twitter, if it's an athlete or an entertainment person, we'll take it you know, as their word. So as you and I both know, if somebody says something and it's relevant, we'll either report it or pass it along. I mean, this whole thing kind of broke loose with Kevin Love this year. He basically replied, hey, you right. know, they fired a coach. Right. And I mean, he broke it. And he broke it. And you know, ESPN and everybody rolled with it. And now it's become almost a thing where we can turn on any show, you know, be it Sports Center or anything like that, where there's undoubtedly a story or something related to something somebody said on Twitter. Right. And, you know, like today, they brought the thing with the Chargers. So the guy comes out and, you know, complains about the food. Big deal. Big deal. But now the PR staff has to go back and be like, you know, oh gosh, now we got to make him, you know, we got to issue a statement saying he wasn't talking about the training table. He's talking about the food and all this stuff. It's. Personality sells tickets. Personality
1: sells sponsorships. If you make everyone vanilla, if you make everyone the same, if you put a muzzle on them, you're hurting your business. I'm telling everyone that right now. You got to have a little personality allowed for. And if you don't, it's bland and people don't want it. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Twitter goes. I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here to stay for a while. I don't think it's one of those things that's going to be a flash in the pan. And a year from now, we're going to go, oh, no more Twitter. I do think that you know ESPN will find a way to uh, have people tweet from a central place on their website where you can go to one place and follow all the tweets, and all the tweets are going to be uh, monitored by editors, and I understand all of that, but uh, I just think that ESPN in the short term, they're hurting themselves, and if they try and monetize it so you can only access their reporter's tweets via Insider like they do with their podcasts, I think they're going to hurt themselves. So we'll see where this all goes. But, uh, boy, the world of social media is definitely having an impact on the sports world. This is not the last time we'll be talking about this. All right. Coming up next, our final segment of this edition of Sports Business Radio, the Dallas Cowboys offering one of the best values in sports. I'll tell you about it. That's coming up next. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com.
0: The website is sportsbusinessradio.com.
1: The Dallas Cowboys recently unveiled a $29 party pass that will give fans access to the six party decks in each end zone at Cowboys Stadium covering more than 180,000 square feet of space overlooking the field. This according to Todd Archer of the Dallas Morning News. Now, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said that the party decks can hold up to 35,000 people. Jones says, I don't ever envision seats in these areas. Archer noted the party pass would not count toward the blackout policy and would allow the Cowboys to determine the standing room Space based on the game or opponent. So, again, Bobby, $29 gets you into a Cowboys game. It allows you to roam the sidelines, be down on the field, which is a great vantage point for the game. You're going to be down there with, you know, potentially 30, 35,000 people. They've got lots of concession areas where you can get food and drink. I think it's one of the best values in sports. I mean, if you talk about going to an NBA game, even a Major League Baseball game, uh, and getting that close to the action, you're talking about several hundred dollars, if not several thousand dollars. So for $29 to be able to go down and party with the, uh, the Texans, and as they say, they do it big in Texas, that's going to be quite a festival for Cowboys home games.
2: It might be the most valuable ticket in all of professional sports if it really works out. And you and I both agree it does. Listen, 29 bucks at an NBA or a Major League Baseball game puts you in the very last row at the top of the stands. And that's pretty much the cost, the price of a $5 ticket and a $25 beer. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, heck, there are venues that charge you $20, $25 just to park the car. So if you can get into Cowboys Stadium for $29, you can get some food and drink, you can be down on the field... You're not going to have a seat, but you can roam around and be part of a big party down in the field. That's going to be a big deal. I think it's a cool thing they're doing there in Dallas. All right. Lots of thank yous. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Follow us via Twitter, SB Radio, or you can become our Facebook friend. Just go to our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com and link to our Facebook page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a tremendous week. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio.
2: Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses.
1: I'm a big fan of the houses, happy to help them make a difference.
2: He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time.
0: A little change can make a big difference. Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com.